Hello, it's me. What's the what's the next line? The internet. Hello, the internet. <laughs> Mike uh, Adele Erie here. Um, we're coming to you. At least we're recording this on the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. So happy holidays! Now the Christmas stuff I've had up for two weeks now feels right at home with all the other Christmas stuff. Uh, and, and and Andy, I have to share just a little bit. I, first of all, I cook the turkey mm-hmm. um, in the uh, in the Erie home, and it was it was succulent. Yeah, it was tender. It was, I use a bag. I use a, a cooking bag, so okay. it cooks about three twenty five pound turkey cook in three hours. And I have literally had turkey leftovers every single day since. Thanksgiving Day. You've been real slow and real tired. <sighs> yeah, well, it's normal, <laughs> par for the course. And then, and then, um, I engage in my favorite uh, Black Friday tradition, Andy. Yeah, watching the videos of how insane people are on back Black Friday. Oh, you know okay. the the like they open the doors and people are scrambling in and fighting over televisions yeah. and and here's a woman stealing this steamer from a kid and and I mean it, it's it, it is and uh, it's just the most insane thing I've ever seen. It's just and I love that it's literally the day after we're thankful for everything we have, oh. right? Oh. So let's go be insane. And, and I just it's my best my best Black Friday um, memory. Uh, is uh, just I literally sit down that night and I scour the internet looking for shopping videos from that day and they're all over and they're crazy and I I sit in smug self-righteous satisfaction that I'm not whacked out like these people these people are crazy Andy oh good I didn't even think to try to do that that sounds so entertaining oh it's awful it is it is awful (laughs) I was trying to explain to my son Nate Who's watching this going, why? Why are people doing this? I said, oh, son, it's just, you know, I don't, I, I didn't even have a good answer. I just don't even know how to explain it. But that's Black Friday. So, so um, we didn't, we didn't do much shopping and I, I'm a fan of shopping, you know, um, so I'm not slamming people that are shopping. It's just, it's just a little insane when you watch it and take a step back when a lot of the world is starving and a lot of the world is without water and we're, um, we're fighting over television. So, yeah. uh, it's just, a, it's, a, it's always for me a prophetic reminder of how nuts, uh, American civilization is at its worst, yeah, right? That, that, um, you know, we're not fighting over food. We're fighting over luxury items. So, um, anyway, enough of that. We've got, we've got. We've got some kind of somber stuff to deal with today, because one of the things that 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 caught the attention of uh, media was the the shooter. Um, I don't know what day it was. Uh, do you know what day it was? Um, it was on. I think it was on Friday. Was it? Was so it? an older white guy um, barricades himself into a Planned Parenthood clinic in Colorado, uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado I believe. Springs. Mm-hmm. Which is like center of focus of the family, and can't imagine that's a popular, you know, destination mm-hmm. in Colorado Springs, um, and ends up killing three people, nine people wounded, um, and and you know there are conflicting reports on whether this guy was muttering some anti-abortion stuff or anti-Obama stuff, mm-hmm. and and then this this all this background of this guy comes out, you know? Yeah, because the. the 
the article I read was there still wasn't a lot of details that the police had released about him for what they, they were able to know. But the, all these other journalists from all these other news things basically started digging in, talking to neighbors and all this stuff. And, um, yeah, this guy's definitely out on the fringe. I mean, he had kind of isolated places in the woods. I mean, a right. lot I saw of, a picture. I saw a picture yeah, of this one, one room different, thing. Different strange neighborhood incidences of approaching female neighbors and things. Um, a couple different offenses with some animal cruelty. I mean, all over over the map yeah. of the kind of just unfortunate negative weirdness of, and, of this individual and, and we're not sure at least you know no one not that i've done a, a you know a lot of research the the vox crack research team it consists of me and google yeah um uh, we're not sure how much mental illness if any um you know paid uh played a part in this and mm-hmm. And uh, and we want to talk about that. In fact, Andy, one of the one of the things I did last night is I said, "Hey, what are, what are some topics you want to talk about?" We got like a hundred comments, yeah. but a lot of those are me just saying, "That's great, that's great, that's great." But phenomenal <laughs> mental illness was one. Yeah, that came up several times. We want to talk about that. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure, uh, or if we know to what degree mental illness has played a part. But and of course, something like this. On the heels of the videos that came out of, you know, the edited videos about the clinics over the summer. I mean, obviously Mm. this thing gets hijacked like crazy by both the left and the right. And and so you've got, you know, folks saying, well, it's the anti-abortion rhetoric that leads to this. And you've got other folks saying, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a white male you know, assuming he's a Christian that, you know, the narrative just fits that these are the kinds of guys that would do something like this. And, and so the thing just gets hijacked a bunch of different ways. But I thought, Andy, I don't know the specifics of the case well enough to comment on at all. And no one would be particularly interested in my comments on the facts of the case. But I I did want to talk about abortion as a way of, of being uh, Jesus in the world, not abortion itself, but the abortion debate. Yeah. Because that, you talk about just a polarizing, again, it's like the LGBTQ issue. There's, mm-hmm. there's right and left and epithets on both sides and labels on both sides. And, yeah. and there's a complete uh, lack of discourse uh, right. in this. And so, so uh, first of all, so I, I want to talk a little bit uh, about how it is that 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 one could hold a position like being pro-life in an environment in which we find ourselves where let's assume and this could be false but let's assume he was operating from an anti-abortion stance let's just assume that for the sake of the conversation we want to have he may not have been he may have been crazy we don't know but let's assume that okay um i am i am um i'm pro-life uh, I, I don't. I, I think there are uh, exceptions uh, to that for sure, and I'm not going to get into um, what I think those exceptions are, except to say that I, I, I don't think. I think abortion uh, would always be wrong, but sometimes necessary. Yeah. Um, and and is the lesser of, of evils, obviously, to save a, a woman's life in cases of rape. I mean, there, yeah. there's there's a wide spectrum of. Uh, scenarios I can imagine where that would be the choice you would make, right? And not joyfully, <laughs> um, but but those extreme circumstances. I don't know how what percentage of abortions you know fall into that extreme category, 
But um, for biblical reasons, I, I find myself not knowing when human life begins and because of not knowing, wanting to err on the side of mercy. Um, and I think there are some theological reasons also. But when, whenever I'm engaging with folks that are outside the faith, um, I, I never lead with Bible verses. I think that's one of the, the, the worst things you can do, right, is, is, yeah. is say, well, the Bible says so. And so it just feels so oppressive to women when the, when the Bible was uh, particularly Jesus and Paul's we've talked about were incredibly liberating uh, for women in their day. And so, um, I want to talk just quickly about why I'm pro-life and, and and non-biblical reasons I would give for it. And the big one, uh, the reason I I don't favor generally, um, abortion is that, uh, I I believe it, it does damage to women. And I believe that it it falls prey to something that pro-life feminists call the phallic fallacy, Mm -hmm. namely, that um, in order to be equal with men, women have to become like them and to eliminate um, the potential for child, child rearing in, in the instances where, you know, contraception failed or was it used or whatever, that our society doesn't, won't bend itself around unwanted pregnancies to the point where they would actually be kept, but instead offers this kind of uh, cheap and relatively easy uh, solution and so so I want to just go over a couple of things. So the phallic fallacy I've always thought um, was was something that was very interesting. Secondly, um, there, there's a, a pretty significant argument that uh, abortion on demand has legalized male irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's no um, it's no coincidence that uh, foundations like the Playboy Foundation or or uh, the groups of of like white uh, single men are most in favor of abortion on demand. And, and you could say, well, is that just because they're very chivalrous kind of people? Or is it because it's really allowed the playboy ideal of care- carefree sex, even, you know, not using a condom or, you know, unsafe sex? Well, we still have a backup, yeah. right? Instead of having to marry her, which, you know, obviously wasn't the greatest scenario, but instead of having to marry her or provide child support, now all I have to do is offer to pay for an abortion. And if she chooses to keep it, I'm off the hook. Yeah. I mean, that is literally what happens, is that I offer to pay. If she says no, it's her child, not mine. And so you just go, well, that, that doesn't seem, <laughs> it doesn't seem like equality uh, in my mind. Again, it's another incidence of the phallic fallacy. Um, and, and it seems like that uh, abortion on demand in its current iteration um, allows society to not do the painful work of allowing teenage, poor, unwed mothers or working women or whatever else, anybody who wants to keep their child but sees no way, no way. How do they have this child? How do they care for this child? They see t- they see nothing but hopelessness in their future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that I could fully understand all the, the thoughts that go into that decision. I'm not saying it lightly. I'm not saying any of that. But, but from a really abstract perspective, it seems like um, it allows society to not bend towards taking care of what makes abortion attractive to begin with mm-hmm. as an option. Now, now, I don't mean attractive in the sense of fun. I mean attractive in the sense of I see it as my only way out. Right. 
and and so for me, I, I raise whenever I and I rarely talk about abortion. It's such a polarizing uh, issue. Uh, but if I talk about it in cr- settings like this, where it's not all Christians sitting around reading their Bibles, um, I, I don't go for like the biblical arguments. The 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 pro life feminist argument to me is really compelling um, because these are women <laughs> making the claim that um, that the need for abortion on demand um, actually has legitimatized the inequalities. Uh, that are inherent in the way the whole system works. And mm-hmm. so I think there's, I think potentially there's something there, but that's that's not what I want to talk about. So if you want to ping me back with, you know, hey, well, you didn't mention this verse or whatever. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to give like the survey of whether abortions are wrong. I'm laying my cards out on the table to say, how do you hold that position in a world like our world? Mm-hmm. Right. Whether you hold the position or not, how do you hold that position, particularly in light of the shooting at the clinic? And for sake of argument that we're assuming was done by someone who was anti-abortion. All right. All right. Is this making sense so far? Yeah, it's making a lot of sense. I, if I could add a note, I mean, the one thing I, I always talk about with Mercedes when it comes to this and she kind of chuckles when I when I get up and about this, like I, I've always wrestled with and been so hurt by I almost I feel that like the the move to that says that this particular thing makes a woman equal in her rights to choose to do this equal to what men are in right. their way. Right. The irony is men have no choice in that decision. Right. Like I can't if if I was to suppose this upon a partner who this happened with, right. it doesn't matter what I say. Right. It's up to her to choose if she wants to have this abortion or not. Right. And if I said, I don't want you to have it, doesn't right. matter. So all of a sudden, there's this other ironic kickback. I'm like, what about my rights? Right. Like, I chose to engage in this with you, yeah. but now I don't get a choice yeah. in keeping and the, the child. And the response would be, that's not your body. Right. But it's like, yeah, exactly. But it's like, well, isn't that completely contradictory to the whole point of an equal right idea? Well, and now here's, it's unequal. Well, and here's the... Yeah, but but the response would be it's unequal because it's always been bent the other way. Yeah. And so it has to be bent now towards the woman's right to choose because it's always been chosen for her or forced upon her or you know the religious folks have always wanted to impose their will on the bedrooms, you know, of America. Right. And 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 again the pro-life feminists have this interesting argument where they say it's interesting when you go back and read about the women's suffrage movement in the early 1900s. A lot of the arguments that um, uh, pro-choice folks give for uh, a woman's right to choose um, sound a lot like the the arguments that um, men would use about why they should not give women rights. In other words, so 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 so, and these are older arguments from from the pro-choice side. But you know, something like, hey, it's not it's not fully human. Um, its rights do not trump the rights of the body possessing it. Sure. Those were those were arguments that men would make about keeping women um, unable to vote and and locked in their homes. And and they just draw this interesting parallel, right or wrong, I don't know. It's just an interesting interesting thing that that talks about gender hierarchy at a much higher level than the specific political issue of abortion and and you know even as we're talking through this stuff man i just know there are landmines everywhere oh yeah (laughs) but let's say so let's look at this event that happens on friday and let's say 
let's say um, we've got some folks that are pro-life. Um, I've just I want to I want to run some thoughts out there about what what's it mean to to be pro-life in a world like ours. First of all, it, it means that we have to speak. Uh, passionately against this individual, to condemn it, to and we have to be vociferous, big word, in our condemnation of it. Because as I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some of the kind of progressive, you know, uh, uh, news sites, you know, it's the natural narrative. They think this is the inevitable conclusion of Christianity, that we will kill people in order to force our will on people. Mm. And not just in abortion, but um, you know, in, in a load of other ways kind of as well. Um, and so Christians have to protest uh, the, the, the shooting that took place uh, loudly um, because we have, to, we have to say to the world, because I think there are some that just assume this is naturally where they're, they're just playing out our hate rhetoric. Yeah. Um, and so we have to say, no, 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 no. We have to, we have to, we have to provide a counter narrative. To the narrative that's just, of course, it's a rich, not rich, but a white male Republican living, Obama hating, living in a, uh, you know, a, a cabin in the middle of the woods, pro guns. You know, that's just the Christian archetype. And, and that's not true. Right. And we have to give counterexamples of, of, of that being not true. And the officer that was killed is one of those counterexamples. The second thing we have to do is we have to be as vocal as when non-Muslims engage in terrorism as we are when radical Muslims engage in terrorism, right? Because because you go nuts on Paris, you know, about Paris, and and then we're we're having this huge conversation about the Syrian refugees and and a Muslim registry, and and holy cow! In the same way, we would say this weird dude does not speak for Jesus or his followers. You can't. The Muslims have every right to say, listen. Those, those terrorists don't speak for us, but we have this double standard thing where we go, no, no, no. Well, you know, it's, he was, you know, he's this loner guy. It's this isolated incident. You know, it's not a big deal. And we kind of let that off the hook. We don't take it as seriously. We don't protest it as much. Right. When that's the same guy that bombed Oklahoma, the FBI building, it's the same guy that walked into, same guys that walked into Columbine. See, that's, that is terrorism. You, that is domestic terrorism. And we have to, the, the Christian community has to say and denounce this with as equal vigor if we're going to denounce uh, ter- terrorism in other places done by other people. We have to we have to provide a counter narrative in this stuff. And so, being silent or secretly thinking, well, it's a plan a Parenthood, you know, clinic. It's where babies are murdered, so they get what you know, they get what's coming to them. Man, that is not Jesus. That is not Jesus. The better representation of Jesus is the pro life. A pastor or elder who was a cop that was killed there defending the rights of of people that he didn't politically agree with. I mean, my goodness, that's that's that is the MO of Jesus of Nazareth. Right there. So our public witness is at stake. If we're gonna go climbing up the crazy wall over Syrians and Muslim terrorists, well, we gotta do that. Uh, when it's somebody that potentially would be considered conservative, Republican, you know, whatever else. Third thing we got to do is uh, we have to not overgeneralize, right? Because the the evangelical fear complex is in full swing. 
I mean, I mean, the news. Oh my goodness, we've got Turkey shooting down a, a Russian jet, and and NATO meeting, and Russia meeting, and, and and we've got this climate summit that's now being protested, and 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 in, I mean, it is it's everything we said in our last podcast about what it means to actually trust. God, we can't just say all Muslims are terrorists and to keep the terrorists out, we have to keep all Muslims out. Wouldn't that is so not Jesus in the same way we would say, Hey, this guy, this guy, this is a, this, this is not what Jesus following looks like. Right. And I'm not saying he was following Jesus or claimed to be following Jesus. I'm just pretending that for the sake of this conversation. Sure. And even from like an outer U.S. perspective, a lot of folks look at the United States as a Christian nation and just pre- presume that Western type governance is Christian right. governance and right. culture anyways. Right. So if we wanted to look at it from a Muslim worldview anyways, they right. would presume that he was right. a Christian regardless. I'm just saying but. the outcry was so loud against Muslim terrorists. Mm-hmm. And we have this, and it's a much more muted response. Right. Even in my heart. I mean, I, I'm not like, I, I'm going, wow, why why am I not as worked up? Um about this and i realized oh there's some there's some sort of double standard that i'm still carrying around that jesus yeah. would confront yeah. and I, and that's the point where does jesus confront the pro-life people that's what i want to talk about where does jesus confront us yeah. so i think the third place fourth place jesus would confront us and this oh my goodness Andy, we're going to get into such hot water <laughs> not not that we're not already but holy cow <laughs> so there's no way to nuance this well enough all right, there's no way. But let me let me tr- go where angels fear to tread and see what happens. If you're going to be pro-life on this issue, you have to be pro-life all the way. It seems morally incoherent when we're pro-life and pro-death penalty or pro-life and pro-war or pro-life and pro-guns, or pro-life uh, and, and uh, pro-euthanasia. I mean, hmm. it, seems, it seems morally incoherent. And, and, that's, and that, of course, is the, is the contradiction in somebody shooting people uh, in the name of pro-life, right? I mean, you're just going, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, yeah. no. If you're going to be pro-life, you've got to be pro-life the whole way, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And now I'm not saying, right, I don't want to get into a Second Amendment debate, but I don't see any biblical thing that says we have a right to bear arms, by the way. Again, it's the Christian fear complex. Sure. Uh, I don't want to get into a just war debate, although um, I think Jesus was really, my personal opinion is you cannot use Jesus to justify violence of any kind. No way. Yeah. 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 And, and, and. And Amendment Number Two is also in the event that a government should come against you, and the government turns over on you. It wasn't like independent protection from your neighbor who also would be threatening your life. Like that's that's not how it's spelled out anyway. It, uh, really? Yeah. I've never read it. All I know is right to bear arms is somewhere in there. Yeah. And, and great. Uh, okay. Um, my, my dad was a police officer. He, he officer. He gave me his old mm-hmm. before he died. He gave me his old uh, uh, police revolver. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a gun. Yeah. That currently sits somewhere. I have no idea where. Um, but in case the zombie apocalypse in happens, I'm ready. Happens, in case that happens, I just probably got that locked up there. So, so Jesus, and, and and we just want to say you can't hijack Jesus for this because, um, I, I mean, let's start the places where he he abrogates 
the, the Old Testament command to have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a life for life. And that command in its day was revolutionary because it limited revenge. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Jesus revealing the fullness of God's intentions for human beings says, no, no, no. You've heard it said eye for an eye. I tell you, and then, he, and then, and then in different places, he's, he's saying things like pray for those who persecute you, bless your enemies. Um, um, don't return evil for evil. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. Right. Paul will talk about all the time, um, overcome evil with good, right? You have all of this stuff and then, and then you have in Jesus, um, you know, Peter, when Jesus is arrested, there's this thing with the swords where it seems like in one gospel account, Jesus says, yeah, t- you've got enough swords. That's great. You know, get your swords. And then there are other accounts where Peter whips out the sword and chops off the guy's ear. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think, or excuse me, I don't know. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels, right? So of a legion, 6,000 people, I mean, that's 72, I'm not a math guy, but that seems like 72,000 angels, which I think would be fairly significant. Do you not think uh, that I can call upon my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled in this way? In other words, there was no, there was no more just war that could be fought that when Jesus of Nazareth was, was about to be murdered, right? I mean, that is the justice war in the history of the world. And Jesus is a very clear, if you want to do swords, I can do swords. Yeah. I, I can do swords. And, and in fact, he stands before Pilate the Roman governor right at the very end of his life. And he says, um, oh, it's it's this incredible thing where, you know, Pilate and Jesus go back and forth. And, and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. In other words, one of the defining characteristics of a kingdom of this world is fighting. Um, but my kingdom's from somewhere else, so, so we're not going to. I give my life willingly, in other words. Now, this raises all kinds of questions. Well, well, what about self-defense, right? I mean, the scenario is someone breaks into your house. And, and I'm not, I, I don't want to talk about pacifism, whether or not that is uh, the best way to follow Jesus or not, or whether Jesus taught it. I've even found some Jewish scholars that said, no, no, Jesus didn't teach pacifism. I, I would rather have the bigger conversation of what does it mean to be pro-life then? Mm-hmm. To be pro-life means that all life is precious. Mm-hmm. And when you've and when when evangelicals are said to be the biggest fans, at least according to one poll several years ago, of the torturing of detainees in order to save lives, that's anti-Jesus. Mm-hmm. That there's just no, 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 no. You cannot be pro-life on this issue and then be pro-torture. You can't do it. You can't be pro-life on this issue. And in my mind, be pro-death penalty. How many people have we are we reading about now who with the with the advent of genetic testing are being liberated from prison because they were they were wrongly right. yeah. in jail. I mean, you just go, no, 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 no. And then people will protest, yeah, but so we're gonna on taxpayers' dime, like support them the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather do that than kill them. Absolutely. But but again, landmines everywhere, Andy. Landmines everywhere. The big point is this. 
What's it mean to be pro-life? Well, it means that Muslim life is sacred and that black lives matter. And it, and it means that deranged loners who shoot up abortion clinics, that life matters. And the lives of the people we killed matter. The lives of abortion clinicians matter. That Jesus of Nazareth would confront whether or not we're truly pro-life. That's what he would do. Are we really pro-life or have, have we picked and chosen uh, our pro-lifeness based on our comfort and security? Have we let mm-hmm. the, the Christian fear complex, the point where we got to have guns, we got to have our rights to guns, and we've got to have our borders secure because, you know, da 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 And so much of this in the world's eyes, particularly the secularized folks, you know, uh, that are out there, gets wrapped up in Jesus following. They can't separate where Christianity ends and conservatism begins. Mm-hmm. And we have to extricate it. And I'm not saying the answer is uh, being a Democrat. I'm not saying I'm going liberal. I'm just saying, listen, to think about these things theologically means you take the political hijacking out of it and you say, okay, do I believe abortion is wrong? I do. Do I believe violence is wrong? I do. Do I believe, do I believe that sometimes those things are necessary? Yes. If somebody were intending to harm my family, would I fight? I would. Would, uh, if, if, uh, when I see when I see little children being raped by ISIS, uh, there's a part in me that wants to go all William Wallace. You know, when I'm out, I, I'm, a, I'm a chaplain for our local police station. There have been times when in protection of the officers, I've had to grab somebody and wrestle them to the ground because they were being bitten, they were being assaulted by multiple people, whatever it is. I hate that, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's necessary to preserve life. Mm-hmm. And so... What? There's a big intake of breath right there. Oh yeah, there is. <clears throat> As I'm, you know, thinking of all this stuff, do you, in a not this is would be non-pacifists. Does the suggestion to say to someone, take my life instead, right? Presume that we uphold a pro-life idea because of like a confidence of like soulful justice. Because right. I know like the protection yeah. of my soul and my salvation. That's right. So if I were to step in front of this guy, right, in front of the Planned Parenthood, and say. Don't take theirs. Right. Take mine if you dare. Right. And it's kind of, and it's not say, and it's kind of like, I'm not even going to fight you. Yeah. Because if something, if you're trying to like satisfy some evil and some kind of violence that's living inside of you. Right. It's like to say, I will die in place of them to satisfy whatever that thing is. Yeah. It does, it almost sounds like atonement theory right there. Right? It's because it's like is because in a way I feel that's like Jesus putting himself of course. into the scenario and saying yeah. like if this is if this is the thing you're feeding, then take me. Right. So that that can be fed. Yeah. Because I because like I know the eternal treasure. Right. I know what I treasure and this life isn't it. Right. But it's like as but to be a representation and an ambassador for what it stands for, this is the best way that I could be pro life. Because yeah. like I die so others can live. Totally. I mean that's because to me that's not that's very no no see passivism the, the lie passivism. the lie is that passivism is passive, but pacifists would say pacifism is one of the most violent responses that the world could receive. Mother Teresa's pacifism through the caste system um, uh, into disarray. No, it was that no that was Gandhi's Gandhi's pacifism. There you go through the caste system and the disarray. What did Martin Luther King's passive pacifism do? I mean, that's violent. See, see, some would argue 
that, okay, if you're going to play the violence card, we're actually not violent enough against the status quo. That the pacifistic, uh, pacifistic presence of Jesus of Nazareth, of Gandhi, of Mother Teresa, of whatever, uh, of, of JFK, though they have upturned entire systems of conflict because of the violence of their nonviolence. Mm-hmm. You know, they were so committed to nonviolence, a violent world had nothing to do after they... Yeah. used violence against them yeah and and you go oh my goodness there's something to that and i can hear all the comebacks i can hear second amendment i can hear um the nra lobby i can hear the christian you know republican machine i got it i got it i got it but jesus if jesus would confront us on whether or not we're truly pro-life and then he would confront us about the way we're being pro-life in other words um, the best way to critique something is by offering the better alternative, mm-hmm. right? So Jesus, um, Jesus married his message and his methods. Th- there was no discontinuity. So when Jesus would cast out demons and heal and then announce the kingdom was here, mm-hmm. those two things fit together. Mm-hmm. Because you could announce the kingdom's here and then not show any power. And then you'd go, oh, okay, well, who cares? Or or when Jesus would enact table fellowship, one of the beautiful things of enacting table fellowship was it was the proclamation that in the person of Jesus, now all previous manners of identification were now set aside and that the kingdom was open to everybody. Mm-hmm. That's one thing to say, but when Jesus would enact table fellowship with sinners, that was an, he was enacting the teaching, in other words. So, so what, what I found that I'm liable to do and that, and that uh, some of us who claim the name of Jesus are liable to do is that as long as we're right, we think we're right, it doesn't matter how you act in your rightness as long as you're right. Mm-hmm. Jesus would call that into question. That being an, um, a jerk um, uh, does not, like lobbing a truth bomb at somebody in a way that is offensive and harmful and and almost violent in the emotional sense um, is not what Jesus intends when he intends us to be people of grace and truth, right? It, it's, it's the graciousness of us that embodies the truth of what it is that we're declaring, correct? Mm-hmm. So, so to have people who are pro-life insulting these unwed teenagers going in for an abortion and and hurling no 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 that you've just you violated the very thing that you're claiming to uphold mm-hmm. so so being pro-life see what I what I was always I'm always staggered to read about in the early church is that the early church didn't the the, the Roman culture in those days had sanctioned um, a practice called the exposure of infants, which was infanticide. I mean, it just was. And you, what you would do um, in Roman townships is that you could, if you did not, if it was a girl or uh, an unwanted child for whatever reason, or deformed, handicapped, whatever, you could take the child and go set the child out side the boundaries of the town and expose that child to the elements, to the animals, or to slavers. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have records of this practice all over from the earliest parts of the Republic to the later parts uh, of the empire. And, and, um, and it was barbaric because what, what slavers would do is that slavers would, would know where the babies were left and they'd look for like a little girl that, that, you know, in a patriarchal society wasn't wanted. 
they would take the little girl and raise her to to be a prostitute mm-hmm. or take a take a mildly deformed handicapped person and raise them to be a house slave i mean it was just awful mm-hmm. um and, and in those days what the early church did and they were not in a pluralistic democracy they didn't get a vote we're going to talk about politics another podcast about how do we vote in ways that bring glory and honor to jesus um they they couldn't organize but what they did is they just went out and adopted the kids they just took all those kids and adopted them into their families yeah so they weren't picketing um the uh the the people that were leaving kids there they were actually adopting the kids yep that's why because i'm pro-life i have said um and i will continue to say the rest of my life if anyone if you are listening or if anyone you know um, has a child and they're considering aborting that child, if if they would be courageous enough to keep the child, and I know that's a great sacrifice. I, I don't, I can't even appreciate it. I've watched my wife go through it and she chose it. I cannot even imagine. But if someone were willing to go through that process and to avoid the 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 uh the potential long term the the guilt the shame the condemnation the regret the sin the whatever of aborting that child um we'll adopt it mike and justine here we'll adopt the kid we'll adopt him or 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 um or we'll find someone who will we'll take care of it yep. because that's what pro-life is pro-life means we're looking for the alternatives to to if we really want to decrease the amount of abortions in america then then yes okay we'll fine we'll rally we can do whatever but the the better issue is being such being communities of such light and grace that an unwed single mom um who has no other alternative would be cared for and loved and supported and nurtured and walked with not just during the pregnancy but after um, and this child would be found uh, a home and, and the adoption could be open and whatever, however we do it, that we start embodying the alternative. We're, we're the ones clamoring uh, for the babies. Yeah. Um, and, and we do it be- precisely because we're pro-life. Um, we, we don't do it uh, uh, to shame or to condemn or whatever, but we want to embody the alternative, right? Which yeah. is anyone can be adopted into God's family. Yeah. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Imagine that movement, like an actual church picketing, but it just says like, give us your children. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, well, give it's, us you. Yeah, give us you. Like, like, like we're <laughs> not going to, we're not going to condemn you. Yeah. Uh, in the same way we don't, we don't condemn anybody that's 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 made um, a, a mistake or that mm. that uh, you know. However, it happened. That's irrelevant to the fact that here we are now, and we want to be for you and with you and mm-hmm. whatever that means. Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and it goes exactly into with the stuff with Bonnie, with like the grief process. I mean, even with what Mercedes and I learned with understanding, you know, adoptive parents, uh, parents who give up the children for adoption. Yes. Like there's, there's this thing called the triangle of grief. We won't get into it, but it's, you're, you're welcoming the opportunity for relationship, for reconciliation, for so many things to actually take place that I think that Jesus does look at and says like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You know? Well, and, and that's the big point for today. And we'll end it here. Um, you, you have to do, if you're going to do Jesus's work, you have to do it Jesus's way. Is there a place for turning over tables and, and driving out um, animals and, and you know, woeing 
Um, folks, yeah, but Jesus did that all to the religious folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if he's going to turn over a table, it's going to be in the church. If Jesus is going to drive out animals, it's going to be in a temple. If Jesus is going to woe people, it's going to be the Pharisees, yeah. right? I mean, ah. Oh. So, yeah, there's a place for that, and it's in our hearts. It's with all Jesus followers who say, yeah, 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 we're pro-life, but Jesus would challenge us right in our pro-lifeness. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that, that it means is that we violate, we deny Jesus's message whenever we embody something other than the message when we're proclaiming it, right? Mm. So it's not just enough to say, hey, we're pro-life or to vote the right Jesus way or to picket the right Jesus's things. The manner in which you do it is just as important as your rightness mm-hmm. or theoretical rightness in it. And, and you could, I, I think you, Dallas Willard has this great line. He says, it's very hard to be right and not hurt somebody with that fact. Yeah. So we want to remind ourselves in the midst of this tragedy, uh, that here's this, here's this person who, who was the shooter and who murdered and engaged in terrorism. And here's this officer who disagreed with uh, the the principles and the values of the facility that he was now defending and the people in it that he was defending. And you think, okay, what's the real picture of Jesus? Well, we all know the answer. It's the officer, right? That Those are the pictures that have to be painted. And so brothers and sisters, as always, I feel like I'm going to get into such big trouble. Um, and there'll be things I wish I would have said differently or, or well. Um, but it, we welcome we welcome all the feedback and the engagement. We're so very grateful. We really are. I mean, the numbers of people that are listening to this are are crazy, and, and and we are. It's it's just so cool. So thank you for letting us into your car. Thank you for letting us into your workout routine. Andy, you're looking at the clock. Is it? No, there's no clock. clock? Over there. oh, okay, all right, that's good. There's no clock. Don't look at the clock, Andy. The see the nice thing about podcasts is there there's no sermon countdown. No, there's not. Right? We go for two hours. That's all right. We could. We, yeah. We could. We won't. Yeah, I know. We won't. But you're we good. You're a good man. All right. Any last words? Nope. Nope. This is a good one. Play it over. <laughs> Repeat it. Repeat it. Well, as always, um, uh, thank you, and you know, follow us on Twitter at Mike Erie. Like us on Facebook. I mean, because we do. Uh, a significant level of engagement um, uh, at those places. And uh, and subversivekingdom.com is the place where you can kind of catch up on back episodes, subscribe on Android devices or Apple devices. Um, and generally just, you know, I have a big picture of me that I'm desperately trying to get removed. Yeah, that's right. But and yeah, well, I, if I had a final note, yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, Mike, you have a number of books on there that people can check out that oh, are fantastic. Yes. And, um, oh, yes. You know, that's... Uh, they're they're great pieces. Unemployed unemployed Mikey needs income. Yeah. So so uh, I'm gonna put a calendar together. The faces of Vox. No, not really. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was just gonna be me. So that would be a scary thing. So anyway, um, may the Lord bless you and may He keep you. Uh, may the Lord. Oh shoot, I forgot it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And wherever you are right now, may he give you peace. Thanks for tuning in as always. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. 
Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Erie for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.